Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Gonna share a story. Um, so it's it's in Luke eight, but it's also in Mark five. It's also in uh, Matthew nine, and. I'm actually just going to tell the story rather than put the whole story up there. Um, but I want to talk about joy life, or joy and life actually is what I meant it to be. Because uh, that's God's heart for us in all circumstances. We talked about it here before, where Jesus said, I would have you have my joy. He said, I want you to have life abundant. And then they say fullness of joy, but it actually means joy that is complete, joy that is mature. So abundant life and joy that is mature. Mature joy is basically joy that is not affected by outward circumstances. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> uh, with the story, I've decided that I'm going to do this very literal. The old saying was, tell people what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So this is one of the rare times I will actually literally do that. <laughs> because I want to talk about <clears throat> this aspect. <clears throat> And the whole, the whole lesson I want to emphasize in the stories I share today is the idea of not judging by appearance. Instead of judging by appearance of what's around us, look to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and walk with Jesus in supernatural companionship. Mm -hmm. What goes with this is, too, is we are not crowded out. Because sometimes with appearances and circumstances, when our eyes are off Jesus, we start feeling like we're not significant enough to be noticed. We start feeling like, well, there's so much going on in the world, little me is just crowded out. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Jesus sees us. And I, I like to extend that. When I say Jesus sees us, he sees our loved ones too. Because there are times we won't feel crowded out, but we feel like they're getting crowded out. And that's not the case. Jesus doesn't overlook anybody. <clears throat> and uh, to go in there too, and the reason I'm sharing this one is because this is just when you hear the story and know what, what I'm referring to, the message always in this story is always it's not too late. Because mm -hmm. it, it's it's a running theme in this story. Yeah. Make sense? Because God is God is always working. <clears throat> I have a picture of the crowds because when I when we talk about the story, I like us to picture, actually get a mental picture of what it was like. Um, and it involves crowds. So as I said, this is in Matthew, this is in Mark 9, Math, Mark 5, Matthew 9, and Luke 8. Uh, the context, which you'd have to go into previous chapters in the other two books, but in Luke 8, I, I think it's relevant that the context is in the same chapter we had just finished the story where Jesus calms the sea. And then after he calms the seas, he goes in an encounter out in the Gentile part, the Gentile, the east side of the lake, the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and has an encounter where he shows his power, even for Gentiles, when he when he casts the demons out of the garrison, the demoniac. <clears throat> and interesting side note, when he, when he casts the demon out over there and does a miracle, he leaves the person who got to experience the miracle there and tells them, tell everybody about it, which he did. In fact, we know he did, and we know it's successful because when Jesus returns to the land much later, 
they're actually welcoming him instead of asking him to leave. But it's interesting, on that side of the lake, he was told to tell everyone about it. On the Jewish side of the lake, he would kill people and say, don't tell anybody about it. And it, it all had to do with expectations. The Gentiles didn't have other expectations. The Jews did, and he did not let the, didn't want the false accusations to limit what he was trying to do. False accusation, no. False expectations. <clears throat> so there's, see, we don't do smooth transitions. We also don't smooth talking, so. Okay. <clears throat> because one of the things that was happening with Jesus at this time is his word is, uh, the, the fame of him has already gotten out. So he's actually having to deal with crowds. And kind of like the opposite of the way we do marketing, he saw crowds as a hindrance. <laughs> there were times he wanted the crowd, but a lot of times they hindered him. Okay, that's enough context. <clears throat> uh, as I was saying, it's going to involve a large crowd. Uh, one aspect why I think that's so powerful is because the gospel is made for real life. There are sometimes we will go to a conference or have a great worship service, especially if we go to evening worship services, and God will seem so real. <clears throat> and then two days later, Tuesday morning, in the crowd and hubbub of the workplace, we start feeling like, well, I felt God's presence was so real <clears throat> Sunday night. What happened Tuesday morning? And one of the, the themes I see with Jesus that I, that I love so much is he deals with the miracles not during synagogue. He deals with the miracles on the real life with the crowds. And it's there's so much of as Jesus was going along. That's a, a thing, too, is <clears throat> Jesus is walking, spending three years with the disciples, and as he was going along in real life, things happen. <clears throat> okay, so we're talking about the joy life. And this is not the right order. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> you only have three, that's it. Yeah, I know, but I'm missing the... Uh... Oh, right. Okay, uh, turn that off for me, Jerry, because obviously I've messed it all up now. <clears throat> um, somebody turn it off for me when you get a chance, thanks. <clears throat> when Jesus, after the healing of the, of the demoniac, he gets he gets back to the Galilean side or to the the Jewish side, and whether or not this happened immediately when he got out of the boat, or if a few other things happened, it's hard to tell because Matthew gives a slight different version. The fact that there are different ways of telling the story, I hope, does not disturb your faith because it's never relevant. You know, just if you talk to different people, I've witnessed I'll see the same wreck. They have different stories, different flavors. Details are left out. Details are added in. But the point that counts is, by the time Jesus gets to the other side, he is dealing with crowds. He is dealing with lots of people. And in the midst of a lot of people being around, <clears throat> the synagogue rule Jairus, he comes and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And the word is already out by now, where like the Pharisees, the rulers, are basically saying, you associate with him, you're on the outs with us. And here's a ruler of a synagogue, and he doesn't care at all. In the middle of a crowd with all these people, he throws himself at Jesus' feet because his daughter, his only daughter, is sick. His only daughter is seriously sick. And... And by the end of the story, you find out she's 12. 
And it's because his need and his love for his daughter is, I don't care about the opinion of others. I just need, I need a God that can do something. <clears throat> so he tells Jesus about his daughter and begs Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter. And Jesus agrees. He says, yes, we'll go. So Jesus, the disciples, Jairus, they're going to his house. But there's this huge crowd. I want you to just picture It's like, this is a huge crowd pressing in. So he's trying to get to this house, and he's got this whole crowd pressing in on him because his fame's out there. And on, while they're on their way, as they are going along to Jairus' house, this woman, who has been ill for 12 years, she's had a flow of blood for the entire lifetime of Jairus' daughter. For a long time, she's ill. But she believes, if I can just touch Jesus' garment, if I can figure a way to get into that crowd and even touch his garment, I'll be healed. And this was risky for her because a woman with an issue of blood like that was unclean. She could be in trouble being around people and especially being in a crowd where someone might touch her. Because yeah. the, old, the old way of thinking was, I can't touch something unclean, it will pollute me. Because that's one of the things Jesus taught was, Jesus went and touched lovers. It was like, well, we can't let a leper touch us. It'll make us unclean. Can't let this woman touch us. She'll make us unclean. Jesus said, no, I'm clean, and I will touch and make them clean. It's like he reversed the whole idea. He was like, no, no, kingdom of God is assertive. I will go to the unclean and make them clean instead of me worried about them polluting me. Anyway, she touches Jesus' garment, and because of the crowd, it's even amazing that Jesus would be so in tune with the Spirit. He can tell power went out. He knows someone touched him and something happened. So he stops and asks, who touched me? And of course, the disciples, being literalists like many of us can be, what do you mean who touched you? We got a whole crowd touching you. Everybody's touching you. Who isn't touching you? And Jesus says, no, I can feel power go out of me. And so now there's even an embarrassment maybe in here. Why not even maybe? It says the woman said she realizes she's found out. Like she just wanted to be healed and disappear in the crowd, but now she can't. So she comes and throws herself at Jesus' feet, which I'm kind of thinking that's kind of not a bad trend when you feel overwhelmed is throwing yourself at Jesus' feet kind of seems to work. So she throws herself at Jesus' feet and admits what happened. And what I love about this is he looks at her and says, daughter, be at peace. He speaks peace to her. Your faith has made you well. After 12 years, so she's had 12 years of an ailment, and by then it's kind of easy, like when we have things that have plagued us for a long time, it is easy just to figure out, acquiesce, it's my lot, my lot in life. You know, it's too late for me, there's winners and there's losers, and I'm just a loser. Mm -hmm. now, I remember thinking that with a, a really close friend that I admire greatly, but there were times he would want to encourage me, and I have to admit, I wasn't very encourageable, because it was like, you know what, Bob, you're one of the winners, and I'm not. And it was just this whole wrong mindset, this whole idea of judging by appearance and not looking at Jesus. Because after 12 years, he's basically saying, it's not too late. It doesn't matter that it's been 12 years. I can speak peace to you right now. What's been plaguing you for 12 years is done and you're healed because it's not too late. So while that's going on, and that conversation's going on with this woman, friends of Jairus, maybe even well-meaning friends, come and say, Jairus, it's too late. Your daughter's died. Don't bother the teacher. 
there's, there's no reason to bother the teacher to come to the house now. It's too late. Your daughter died. And Jesus says to him, and I, and I picture it going down this way. <clears throat> they come over and are talking to, to Jairus. Jairus is looking at them, and they're being, he's being told, it's too late, your daughter's dead. I look at this where Jesus is almost like maybe even grabbing the guy's shoulder and shaking him, saying, look at me. And he looks at him eye to eye and says, Jairus, believe, and it's not too late. Jairus, believe in me. Believe, Jairus, and your daughter will be healed. They're saying it's too late, she's dead, and he's saying, no, you look at me. It is not too late. So they go on. They, they go to his house. <clears throat> and when they get to the house, people are wailing and mourning because the daughter died. And Jesus says, why are you wailing? The girl's not dead, she's only sleeping. And they mock him. And it's heavy. I mean, I wouldn't want to be guilty of this. It's heavy, but I also kind of understand it, because from their point of view is, this guy and his wife have lost their only daughter. We're mourning with them. We're being good friends. We're supporting them. And you, Jesus, you're being cruel, because you're giving them false hope. It's too late. Their daughter's dead. We're being the ones that are reaching out in love, and you're trying to give them false hope, because it's too late. So Jesus basically ignores the crowd. Now he only takes in his, his uh, closest friends. So just they go in with the husband and the wife, the, the parents of the daughter. <clears throat> and it's interesting, Luke, the reason I want you to tell Luke's story is Luke says, when Jesus goes to her, he says, Talitha kum, which was the Aramaic for just saying, little girl, get up. And Luke says, her spirit came back to her. And I find that interesting because even though Jesus called her asleep, from our view, she really is dead because her spirit left her. Otherwise, how could it come back? And it says her spirit returned to her. So at the command of Jesus, a departed spirit comes back to life because that's really what resurrection is. I mean, it's basically when your body's dead, your body's dead. The spirit isn't there, but it doesn't stay not there. Jesus has command to even tell a spirit that's gone. It's not too late. You go back. And, uh, I mean, it's just powerful. And then the girl gets up and he says, give her some, yeah, he tells them to give her something to eat. Powerful story. Uh, the, it actually says, which seems like, duh. Luke adds a little line, and the parents were astounded. I mean, yeah, I think, I think you could actually not say that. I think we'd have caught on to that one. That, that, that my daughter, because I only have one daughter, you know, and, and uh, I mean, that's just what hits me is if my daughter was dying, yeah, you know what, the rest of the stuff, the rest of what you guys think or anybody just doesn't flip and matter. <laughs> I, <wonder if you'll... clears throat> I see this a powerful story because the running theme is it looks too late. And Jesus says, look at me and it's not too late. You know, and we may feel... Uh, you may feel like the woman, like, hey, I've been plagued by this for years. Can it really be taken care of? And Jesus says, yeah, look at me. Look to me. It really can be taken care of. We have things in our lives that are healed. But I guess what's been on my mind is this whole flavor of sometimes we're judging by appearances, even with other people, and it's not too late for them. I mean, these are well-meaning friends. Jairus, it's too late. She's dead. 
And Jesus says, not so. And I think it's powerful. And to see us, it sometimes even feels like us, like, oh, the Spirit left me. And, well, first I have a hard time with that, because Scripture says he will never leave you or forsake you. Mm -hmm. So I may feel like it left me, but it didn't really. Right. But the point is, either way, it can come back to us. It's not too late. <clears throat> and so the whole thing I wanted to emphasize there is it's not going by appearances. Looking to Jesus, it's not too late. And I, I want to share a couple stories. So when I first went into jail, I'm trying to phrase that right, because I shared this story once and people came up to me and said, how many times were you sent to jail? Okay, I, while I was first going to jail, not sent there, voluntarily going to jail. <clears throat> and uh, we're having Bible studies, and and I just started. So this was this was like 20, God, like 25 years ago now. Um, there was this big guy, not a little guy like me, I mean a big guy. And he would not get into the Bible study. He stayed distant. And he would just have his arms folded. And he just, I don't know what his look like. It was just an intense look. And he would just stare me down the whole time we're doing Bible study. And then the second time I was in that dorm, same thing, just staring me down. He was an older guy. Well, I mean, older probably my age now, but back then I was <laughs> And he's just staring me down. And the third time, he comes up to me and he just, he looks angry, he looks upset. You know, and I admit, I'm thinking, okay, is this going to turn into an incident? Um, is the big guard on duty? <laughs> you know, because sometimes they have nothing against them, but they would have these two awesome ladies. They, they commanded, you know, great attention. When the two ladies were the only two in the dorm, they just weren't going to be big enough to give me a lot of help here. Um, and so I'm just telling you, because in my mind, I'm still, like, calculating. He gets about 14 inches from me, I and mean, he is close. And he goes from looking angry to just totally losing it. He's an older guy. And he just starts crying like crazy. And it took a while to even understand what he was saying through the sobs. And he said, I have wasted, and I'm going to somewhat edit it, but I'm going to put in letters, because I think it's important, his phrasing. I have wasted my whole effing life. And is it really real that Jesus can take someone who's effed up everything and still use me for something while I'm serving prison? Because he was looking at least 14 years, and the whole way he was talking is, he was thinking he probably wasn't going to survive to ever get out of prison. And what he wanted to know is, I've wasted my life, is this God so powerful yeah. that he'll still do something useful in me, even though I may never get out of prison again? Yeah. It wasn't too late. Yeah. And so I'm worried about appearances, and God's saying, nope, this is a heart I can go with. <coughs> you, know, you know, man looks on the outside, God looks to the heart. Yeah. God has seen something that's really powerful. And, and that was just, it wasn't too late for him. Yeah. And also it's reminded me of, I can't judge at all. And you know, it even reminded me of, you know, the people when I came to the Lord, the people that reached out to me, I was not a candidate for being saved. Because I did not feel a need to be saved. I really didn't. I mean, I kind of, I turned away from religion. I, I was doing all right. Um, I showed this before, I have a hearing loss. And all throughout the day, I don't notice my hearing loss. I, I actually only hear because I have a ringing in my ears that I mainly notice only when it's quiet at night. So I'm not aware of it, but it still affects me. 
Okay, it's because in the early days of construction, we didn't wear hearing protection. I mean, there were way too many skill cells. <laughs> um, and that was actually me spiritually. Until I met people that lived in Jesus' community and had an intimate walk with Jesus, I did not know I was hurting and lonely. I didn't feel the pain because I had learned to turn off emotions. Didn't look like they could kind of be saved. I'm glad they didn't see me that way. Um, in, in Asia, so this is a story. Uh, in 2009, I was in Asia and there was this couple. Um, it was this guy and his wife and they were gonna go plant churches. And I got to hear this story. Basically, a church planner and his wife, newly married couple, go off to, to plant churches. They, so they've been trained for a year in, in a discipleship center. And they're going off to plant churches in Asia. And they get to the village and they have their bike and their drum because that's basically what we equip them with. They're, they're trained, they see God for where they should go. And they're given a bike and a drum. They use a drum like we use guitars. Um, and he goes door to door to talk to people about Jesus, not getting much response. But then he gets a response in one place where the guy says, well, wait a minute. Now, who are you? And he says, I'm a priest. Because that just makes more sense in their culture than like a word like pastor in these villages. He goes, you don't look like a priest because he's not dressed like the, the other kinds of priests in that village. He says, but I am one. He says, well, great. Then if you have a God that's powerful, you need to go pray for the chief because the chief is really sick. And have your God go heal that chief. And being a strong man of God with great faith, he thought, no way. Because we have prayed for headaches, they didn't go away. I mean, I know there's this healing stuff, I've seen it, but I prayed for people with headaches, they don't go away. Pray for colds, they don't get better. And this is too complicated. That's his term. This is way too complicated. And so he doesn't, he doesn't go pray for the chief, he goes home. And his wife asks him how the day went. So he explains, you know, I went door to door, and he talks about the last place he visited. And his wife said, well, did you go pray for the chief? after he talked to you, or she asked him that. Now remember, this is a newly married couple. He says, no, 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 I didn't pray for the chief. And she says, well, why? And he says, well, it's too complicated. We prayed for headaches, and they don't go away. We prayed for colds, no one got healed. Too complicated. <clears throat> Not gonna go pray for the chief. So the wife told him, uh, basically, if you don't go pray for the chief, then you're not sleeping in this bed tonight <laughs> or ever again. And, he, and by that, she was, she is meaning it in the way that would matter the most to a newly married guy. Okay, God, God uses everything. So he's kind of under the gun. I'm thinking, well, what do I do? So he decides, okay, I'll get on my bike. I'll go pray for the chief. As he's riding to the chief's house, he sees people walking to his house carrying clothes. Greatly discourages him. Again, looking at appearances. Because in this particular village, they would often bury a person, especially a person of honor, with clothes. So basically, they believed in reincarnation. So they would have clothes for the next life. So this is already showing that people are thinking chief's dead. So that makes him nervous. <clears throat> he gets to the door and they ask, well, what do you, who are you? And he says, I want to see the chief. I'm going to pray for him. Why would you pray for him? Well, I'm a priest. 
you don't look like a priest. <laughs> Guess that spiel again. He says, well, well, I'm a priest. I'm going to pray for the chief. And so he goes to pray for the chief. And he says what little faith he had disappeared. Because the chief just is like, look, he's in fetal position. He's frail. And the body looks dead to him. Puts his hand on it. The body feels dead to him. He closes his eye, prays as hard as he can. And after praying, he, he peeks with one eye. Nothing looks different. And he goes from worried and fearful to now angry. He's mad at God. He's mad at his wife. He finishes his prayer. He takes off, gets on his bicycle, and rides home in record time. He gets home. Just as soon as he gets in, he goes in, gets in the house, slams the door, tells the wife, I don't want to talk. I just want to go to bed. I don't even want dinner. I'm going to bed. Because he's mad at God. Middle of the night. So he's in bed. And it's middle of the night. And all of a sudden, he hears this big wham, 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 wham. They're knocking at the door. And he wakes up. And his wife wakes up and he thinks, oh man, see, the chief died and they're going to blame me for it because I was the last guy to pray for him. So again, a mighty man of God, he tells his wife, what, you get up and you go answer this. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, this is his story, so it's a true story. <clears throat> I mean, it's not, we're not telling a story on him. This was his story. <clears throat> his wife goes to the door, says, uh, hi, what do you want? And they say, where is that priest? And she asks, why do you want them? The chief is asking for him. So she goes back to the bed. He's still in bed. He tells her, oh, you can get up. You can get up. It's okay. The chief wants to see you. So he goes back with him. And as he goes back, he finds out what happened was, after he left, the chief woke up. And the chief began eating. And the chief knew a God had healed him. So the chief asked, what happened? And they said, well... This priest prayed for you. He said, great. Which priest? Which God does he serve? Okay, because it's a culture that has lots of gods. And they're going, we don't know. Because he was so mad, he never told them who's, he never told about Jesus. He never told them anything. So he says, well, we got to get him back here because we got to switch gods. Because this, this is the God that, that works. So he goes there. <clears throat> but the other weird twist is, they'd already declared the chief dead. And they had already appointed the next chief. And you don't disappoint a chief, you appoint. So you don't want to disappoint chiefs. <clears throat> so that's a little complicated. He gets there. The chief asks what happened. So he talks about Jesus. And that chief, the first chief, and his wife are the first to come to the Lord. So did some of the other people. And actually, eventually, almost that whole village came to the Lord. But that nice. took a little time. But that chief and his wife don't know what to do because their whole role in the village was chief, and they've appointed the next one. So they go back to the training center that sent him. Because I told you I met a couple in India. I didn't meet the church planter and his wife, the young one. I got to hear his story through him up front. The one I got to meet was the old chief who had died. Because they were being trained, and since I've left, they have gone and planted a church in the next village. And so they're an old chief who was dead, and it's not too late. And they're now leading a church in a village. That church planter, you know, well, is he a great man of God? Things are weird. He wasn't looking right. Did it really matter? Not in the long run. I mean, it took a prodding of a wife, but... And I, I would like to say that didn't happen to me, but at most of my life that's happened to me. It takes the pride of a wife. But God used it. Is that again, 
we can't look at circumstances. We can't judge by the outside. If we look to Jesus and we know it's not too late. Even not looking to ourselves, I know we're limited. Um, <clears throat> so years back, I went, I'm doing a dump run. <clears throat> and I, I would tell you, very flawed person. Uh, lots of things I just did not get. And yet God, in spite of that, spoke to me a lot. Some of you have heard the story how I ended up working at Humboldt. I only ended up working at Humboldt because God said to have it happen. I mean, didn't have any of the right career stuff, didn't have any right degrees or anything. God was graceful and spoke. Another time God was graceful and spoke. I'm coming back from the dump. And the only thing I kind of knew to do was, is um, I guess we call it interactive or, or conversational gratitude. I'm just coming back from the dump and I'm really glad the project went well. I'm glad to unload all that stuff. And I'm just enjoying God just saying thank you for whatever's on my mind. And then in that quietness of thankfulness, I will often hear God. And I heard God, I'm driving through town. Again, the, the garbage clothes from dumping garbage. And as I'm driving through, I see a building. And God tells me, I want you to pray for the person leading that business. And I think I'm fine. So I just start praying for the person leading the business. And you know how you have these conversations that it's a whole conversation, but only takes like half a second because <clears throat> it, it goes so fast. And it's like, before I even really can get into praying, God says, no, no, you don't understand. I want you to pray for the guy leading that business with that guy who leads the business. And my mind, I'm just going, Lord, I'm dressed like this, because this is a professional business. You want me to pull into a parking lot, get out, go to the front office or the receptionist, and ask to meet with the head guy who I have no appointment with, and then just go pray for him and go. Yep, exactly. So, so that's what I try to do. I pull in. I go to the front, and the receptionist was very polite because she asked why you're here, and I said, I'd like to talk to the chief guy. I mean, I knew him by name. We were acquainted. It wasn't like we were super tight, but we, we knew each other. I, knew he was, I even knew he was a Christian. Um, but she looks at me and goes, okay, and you are? And she was trying to be polite. was like, and why? You know, because they are in grubby jeans. <clears throat> And she says, I said, well, tell him it's, it's tall Steve, you know, and because he'd remember my name, but I think it'd associate more if he knew which Steve. Anyway, she calls him. He says, yeah, I got time to set him up. So I just go up and I just pray for him. I just tell him, I'm just here to pray for you. And I wasn't really sure what to pray. I just started praying and then just kind of went with whatever. Don't even remember what I prayed. But then I stopped and then I'm starting to leave and he says, well, before you go, I just want you to know this is really significant. And we talked a little bit, but he couldn't share details. And then I go on my way. So, and to be honest, I probably forgot all about it. You know, being a, a good pastor, I've been forgot all about the guy. I never even thought to call and check up on him. Two years later, I run into him somewhere. And he brings up and says, you remember on this date you came and just prayed for me? And I didn't remember the date. I do remember that I went to pray for him. And I remember what the prayer was. And I said, well, yeah. I mean, I to somewhat remember it. And then he gave me details about just things they were facing. And I didn't remember the prayer, but he says, everything you prayed, because we felt like we were being overlooked. We felt like we're in the crowd and there's all these needs. And when you showed up and prayed exactly what we're dealing with, you prayed over those things and let us know we were seen. It also brought us clarity for major decisions. 
and there were things hard in their life in what's found me that like is this too late and it was God's message to them was you're seen you're cared about and it's not too late mm -hmm. the reason I'm sharing that is God cares about us enough they can have a guy that's pretty much kind of a dumb weirdo because I, I was back then coming from a dump would God speak to that person to have him go pray for someone just because they needed it yeah he would and it is so much about him because what's on my heart is this whole thing of joy life that I don't have on the video right now is if we grasp how it's not too late for those around us we can also grasp we are in no way disqualified or the way that I put it is we are fully qualified because the very God of the universe speaks to us the reason I want to share Holy Ghost stories and and I sometime I maybe we talk in a group more about more of them is as we start realizing it's everyday people everyday ordinary people who have flaws but when they respond to Jesus when they're quiet in Thanksgiving when they enter his presence with Thanksgiving and will listen enough he will speak to us and he won't speak to us at all I'll do a little qualifying I won't do the whole sermon on how to hear God's voice but he's not going to tell you to go pray against people, okay? He's not going to tell you to go curse people. Because believe me, the world's seen enough of the church doing that. But if you ask him to how you can bless people, how you do things for them, listen for it, and then do something with it. Even if it's as simple as sending a text to somebody. Even as simple as pulling into an office, into a parking lot, and go praying for somebody. We'll see God in it. We'll see God move it, move in it. And you know, and I think then he'll even, in time, well, maybe not even much time. He'll expand it. We'll pray for him and we'll see the miracles. We'll see things happen that are physical. But I've just been asking God, like, because a lot of us have been talking about, Lord, we need you to move. And I feel like God's saying, I am moving. Will you move with me? God, we need miracles. Can I trust you with miracles? Will you just obey me in whatever little thing I say to bless them with? Because when I see I can trust you with that, I will trust you with more. And that's my heart for you guys to get out of this with Jairus, is wasn't too late for his daughter. Wasn't too late for the one with the flow of the blood. Just look to Jesus and believe. And then walk with Jesus. You know, listen to him, hear him, and then like Jesus with Jairus. Jairus, let's go to your house. We're going to walk there together and see something awesome happen. In the simple ways, let's just walk with him. And let's see what happens. Okay? Thanks. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.